Namaste, and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast, and today I am overjoyed to be having a compelling conversation, I am sure, with that ebullient and inspirational David Lyon, who is a hypnotist, channel, spiritual guide, teacher, and magician. David is so full of wisdom and so full of joy, and I'm so happy for our listeners today to welcome you, David, to the Modern Mystic Podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, and I I appreciate the amazing intro. Thank you. So my first question, which is the one I always ask to all of my guests, and I can't wait to hear your answer, magician that you are, (laughs) is what does it mean to be a modern mystic to you? Oh, man. Going deep, going quick. Okay. <laughs> Always. Right in. <laughs> mm. Let me sit with that for, for a moment. Well, you know, when I, when I reflect on the word mystic, I think of someone who has direct experience with sacred truths and with spiritual energy. And so when I think of a modern mystic, to me, what it means is just someone who's really in touch with the deeper truth beyond the physical and who is able to utilize it in such a way that is both mystical and practical for the highest good of all involved. Mm, Gorgeous. I think that's such an imperative point. You said that idea of direct experience because there is, especially I feel like in this day and age with social and, and the rapid distribution and dissemination of information, sometimes I feel like it can get a little bit lost. And as spiritual community and communities, there's a lot of not only spiritual bypassing, but I feel like sometimes the spirituality and what you pointed out so importantly is that, right, that direct experience with the sacred truths that were delving into. So really, really beautiful. And I love and want to highlight too what you said, how it's beyond the physical and then how do we utilize it to serve the good? Such a beautiful answer. Thank you. In a practical way, right? You know, because a lot of spiritual teaching can come from knowledge and from books and from teachers, which is a great way to learn. And there's also a deeper way of learning, which is what, what I spoke to is the, the direct experience with the sacred, with the mystical, with the spirit, where you're getting your own flavor, your own version of that truth directly from source, which makes it your own in a type of way. So eloquent. And really, like you're inspiring me so much because the impetus for this podcast is really to connect with people who, from their own direct experience, are able to deliver that to our audience osmotically. And you do that so well, clearly. You know, I could feel that in your words. And I think people feel that with people. There's just the energetic download people get when they hear the words of someone steeped in connection of these sacred truths, not just intellectually, but really, really on a soul level. Absolutely, yeah. And I, th- and I feel like that's also where 
people such as mystics and sages, you know, they very much serve as a kind of tuning fork for others to awaken or become realized in their own experiences of, of the sacred or of the spiritual, right? You know, very much in the same way that if you're around someone who's always in a happy and joyful and positive state and you're feeling kind of down and out, they're going to serve as a tuning fork to lift you up and to bring you into that vibration. And so same is true for people such as mystics who have that direct experience that is embodied within them and they could emanate it from the inside out. It becomes a tuning fork for others to have those same kinds of experiences as well. I love that so much. That's fabulous. A tuning fork. What a brilliant analogy. And it is so true. And that's why it is so important for each one of us to do that inner spiritual work. Because as you're saying, the great sages and seekers of truth and teachers, they are such powerful tuning forks and help people move towards higher vibration and then serving the world in the most fullest way. And then it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. If you keep doing that spiritual work, like you said, you start to become a tuning fork for others. That's, that's really exquisite. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I love for our listeners, please, to hear a little bit about your backstory from how you got interested in hypnosis to how you have become a magician. Rumor has it you've done a trick for Drake. How did you manifest all that? And, and can you connect those dots for us, please? Oh, man. Yeah, that's a that's a big question. How much time we got? <laughs> we got last. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I started off my path as a magician in the sense of as an entertainer. So when I was 16 years old, I was, you know, just in that place of my life where I was trying to find my thing. You know, everyone around me who was popular and who had lots of friends and was able to attract, you know, the girls and whatnot, they all had a thing, you know, they were either rappers or basketball players. And so at that point in my life, that's what I was looking for, you know, because I was a very shy and insecure kid who who got pretty heavily bullied psychologically. And so I was really just trying to find my way to connect with others and to find a sense of belonging in a sense. And the short story is that at some point when I was 16, I saw David Blaine on TV, if you're familiar with David Blaine. Very much. My 11-year-old's obsessed with him and is a magician himself, so <laughs> already <laughs> loving this story. Amazing. Well, yeah, so I saw David Blaine on TV and immediately it was just this feeling of like, that's what I want to do. And, you know, it was just his ability to be able to go up to anyone, anywhere and make them smile and blow them away and make them feel good without needing any big special props, pretty much just using everyday objects. You know, that's what really spoke to me about it. So I ended up becoming a magician. You know, obviously there's lots of story there, but I'm going to do my best to summarize it all. I ended up through synchronicity, becoming a magician. I ended up meeting magicians and learning magic through synchronicity. And eventually, you know, through practice and whatnot, I had a moment that changed my life. So I learned magic at 16, but it wasn't until I was 21 that I built the courage to perform for my first person or for my first people, I should say, because I was terrified. I was terrified of you know, well, if I go and try and perform for actual people, what if I fail? And what if I get known as the guy who wanted to be a magician? And then I get bullied for that now, you know, like all my triggers and traumas and deepest fears were just coming to the surface. 
you know, and lo and behold, after much pain and, and, and challenge, I finally performed for my first set of people when I was going to college. And it just absolutely changed my life because in that moment, all of a sudden, you know, all my hard work of like trying to figure out how to connect with people and how to make friends, I just became this magnet. You know, all of a sudden now people wanted to be my friend and they wanted to get to know me and I didn't have to hunt for them, so to speak. And so it was a real game changer for me. And, you know, so that allowed me to attract friends and camera people and people who would offer me opportunities to perform on TV and bookings and so on and so forth. And eventually through that path, you know, I I blew up my YouTube channel. I started to get pretty well known. And where Drake came into the mix, to answer your question, was at some point after being pretty comfortable in my magicianhood at this point, I was sitting with my friend at my house and we were, we just finished recording a bunch of lionism. That's what I called my magic at the time. It was lionism. We just finished recording a bunch of lionism videos and we were listening to a Drake song and it was a song called closer to my dreams. And Drake was such a huge inspiration to my path because I really just related to everything he would share at the time about his come up and going for his dreams. And so as I was listening to this song, it just hit me so deeply and it just inspired me so much that I remember just saying to myself out of so much joy, I'm like, man, I'm like, I wish I could just shake his hand and just say thank you for inspiring me so much. And in that moment, when I said that, all of a sudden there was a flash that entered my consciousness, a flash of inspiration. And what that flash was, was it, it told me to take all the videos I've made so far and just make a demo video out of it, make a montage, which didn't seem to be connected to Drake. It was just a flash of inspiration to me at the moment. But I acted on it. You know, I acted on the inspiration, put together that montage and put it out into the world on YouTube. And I called it the Black David Blaine, (laughs) you know, which which I really just used because I knew it would get attention. And sure enough, it did. It ended up going on to websites like Worldstar and going viral. And then at some point, very quickly, within a matter of days, there was someone from Toronto, a TV producer who hit me up saying, hey, I saw your video. I would love to have you come perform live on City TV on Christmas Eve for our audience. And this was going to be my first live television appearance. appearance, And it was on Christmas Eve. So I was super excited. And so I went and I did that. I blew them away. It went amazing. Then after that performance, to this day, I don't know how this happened. But after this performance, someone calls my phone who I don't know how he got my number. But this man named Israel calls my phone and he's like, hey, I just saw you on TV. You were phenomenal. How would you like to come perform for Drake on Boxing Day? And I was just like, what? You know, you know let, let me check my calendar, right? No. <laughs> and yeah, so obviously I said yes. I asked if I could bring a camera guy. He said no problem. And what was cool is it wasn't the type of scenario where there was lots of like fans and groupies. It was really just a bunch of celebrities and industry people. So they had a space to really more feel like themselves. And that's how I met him. I went there. I performed for him. Uh, blew him away. He gave me a shout out on camera. He told me I was going to go far in life. And it absolutely 
you know, that was actually one of the biggest catalysts of my life in the most unexpected way, because I thought that now after performing for Drake and having him give me a shout out on camera, that now my life was made, that now I was finally going to reach this thing I'd been seeking for called fulfillment. And at the time, that was my biggest dream. My biggest possible dream I could dream of was to be able to perform for Drake, get him on camera. And I'm like, that's going to that's gonna be the way to fulfillment. So in a lot of ways, Drake was the catalyst to my spiritual awakening because after I performed for him and I got the video and I, you know, I posted it on Facebook or whatever, yeah, I got, you know, likes and attention and love and whatever, but you know, I thought my phone was going to be blowing up and everyone was going to want me and, and I would finally finally be famous and all these things. And yet the next day rolled around and it was just another day. And I actually just never felt more empty in my entire life. The void that I had been trying to fill inside myself by trying to search for fulfillment, it didn't affect me as much as long as I had a big dream to go for. But now I, I attained my biggest dream and now I don't know what else to dream. I, I did everything that I said I was going to do. And so I just felt so incredibly empty. And that's what prompted me to ask a question that would change my life, which was, what am I not seeing? You know, I just asked life, I'm like, what am I not seeing? It's not a question of what am I not doing? It's what am I not seeing? Because everything I'm doing, I'm achieving. So there must be something I'm not seeing. And asking that question is what opened up the gates of synchronicity, so to speak, and, and started to put certain things on my path, such as, you know, ancient Egyptian teachings and spiritual mentors and just the things that would ultimately lead me to the fulfillment I was truly seeking. So that's what happened on the Drake side. And um, I'm happy to go into the hypnosis story as well, if you want, but I thought I'd pause in case you want to say anything. <laughs> I mean, talk about a hero's journey that archetypical story of just you know seeking and then first of all it's unbelievable there's so many aspects to the story that I want to highlight for the listeners but one that really stands out to me is just you know speaking so poignantly and authentically and thank you and I'm so sorry about being a young person and feeling bullied and that trauma and how you were able to take that trauma and then alchemize it into this blessing. And I really honor how you talked about like for five years working on that from 16 to 21. And that's just so beautiful because you really sound like you cocooned and held space for the tenderness of the metamorphosis of coming into your magicianhood and sharing your gifts in that way with the world. I can't imagine that the way that you speak and who you are, it's... <laughs> hard to imagine you not just, you know, coming out of your mother's womb, like <laughs> doing magic and being so eloquent and so confident and all the things. So it's such an inspiring story for people to really take in how you were able to give yourself that time and turn that trauma into something that was in your vision to achieve. And then from that place of gratitude, like you said, of Drake and, and joy, right? Because that's how we manifest things being in such like this deep space of gratitude and joy, when we can get into that space, then that's when we literally create the outer tangible objectives in our life of magic 
And then what a beautiful, really, truly hero's journey to then realize, oh, wait, but Mm -hmm. then I feel the most empty. And wow, Drake is like your, in yoga tradition, they call that the Ziva Diksha. It's like the initiation. Like he literally to have Drake be like your initiatory (laughs) guru (laughs) to go even deeper then on your path. So what an, what a fascinating story. And thank you so much for sharing it because there's so many gems and, and so many aspects that can inspire everyone. You know, I never would have thought Drake would have been the catalyst to my spiritual awakening. And, you know, and I really see those, you know, all the traumas and stuff I went through, those were really my treasures. You know, had that not happened, I wouldn't have asked the kind of questions that I asked and seeked in the ways that I seeked and found the path that I ultimately found. So I'm so grateful for everything that's happened to me in my life genuinely. And, and I wouldn't change a single thing. I feel amazing about it all. Well, and that question that you said, what am I not seeing? It's just so profound and talked with such, such levels of pulling on threads to gain and access wisdom because that's it. Like so often I feel like we think as in this hyper speedy society with our hyper ambitious tendencies, which of course are all midwife from the way that our society is dysfunctional in my opinion. (laughs) But, you know, it's such a brilliant question because there's like the human being and I feel like, you know, in spiritual circles, it's like, okay, we need to be human beings And then sometimes I feel like it's almost like pitted against the human doing. And of course, we have an exaggerated emphasis in our society in doing. And sometimes I feel like those are the two questions asked. And as spiritual seekers, it's like the conversation is a lot back and forth with those two questions. But for me, your question of what am I not seeing that is so brilliant because when we can see, then we know whether to be or to do. Absolutely. A lot of my path growing up, you know, way before I ever found spiritual knowledge and like formal spiritual teachings and, you know, language such as manifestation and resonance and all those things, from 16 to about 25, which is when I performed for Drake, I was either 24 or 25, I was really learning to develop a relationship with life itself. And I didn't know it at the time, but a lot of what I was doing, you know, so for example, when I first became a magician, I wasn't looking for my purpose. I wasn't looking for a career. I was simply looking for friends. And it just so happened that when I did the thing that lights me up the most, that took the most courage and that scared the crap out of me, but when I still chose to do that thing, and which for me just so happened to be magic and blowing people away, all of a sudden I would attract opportunity, abundance, fun, joy without having to figure it out. So I quickly learned that I'm like, okay, wait, I don't need to figure things out in my life. There's a way to tune into where things are figured out for me. And that began to tune me into this idea that I now call living magic, you know, which I say is the opposite of living struggle. You know, so from a young age, I learned that I'm like, okay, I don't need to work my ass off. I could excite my ass off. Right. (laughs) And. Oh, my God. That's like the best thing I think I've heard this entire. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I literally I that is amazing. Okay, thank you. For sure. Yeah. You know, and it was. I was learning 
how to transform pushes into pulls, you know, places where you feel like you have to push yourself and really effort and force yourself to do things. I realized you could tune into the pull and what I'm, that's what I'm calling where things are figured out for you. So I learned that through being a magician, which is applicable to anyone. Cause essentially what I'm saying is all I did is I followed on a moment to moment basis. What lit me up the most, what felt the most exciting, what felt the most joyful and also took the most courage There's a quote that I live my life by, and it's by Mark Nepo. It says, the flower doesn't dream of the bee. It blossoms and the bees come. Right? And I I just see that it's just a beautiful analogy for how to live life because it's like saying, you know, the flower doesn't sit there and dream of how to get the bees of abundance or the bees of money or the bees of whatever. It just focuses on its blossom by watering itself with its inspirations, watering itself with its intuitions, watering itself with going towards what lights it up, going towards the light. And then it has no choice but to attract those bees of abundance and opportunity and synchronicity. And so I began to learn that at a very young age. That was my way of learning spirituality from within. And, you know, and by the time I got to Drake and that whole thing happened, you know, that was just the next level of my learning of recognizing that I really don't know everything. You know, I might be able to accomplish anything I set my mind to, which is great. That's, that's a great skill to learn, but that doesn't mean that I know what I actually need for myself most. That doesn't mean that I know that if I do this, this will equal fulfillment or, or whatever the case is. I, I had to accept that I really just don't know. And in that letting myself go into the, I don't know state, or the state of surrender and being like, what am I not seeing? That's when I learned that, okay, I could even ask life questions and it will respond to me and it'll unfold for me as well. And so, so that was really the, the beginnings and the development of my spirituality in this lifetime. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) So many incredible, incredible downloads. One of them I really just am so moved by is how you talked about, I can ask life questions. I mean, to me, that's literally so much of my definition of what a modern mystic is, is like really engaging on a daily basis through practices, through, like you said before, listening and and having a conversation with life. And that quote, the flower doesn't dream of the bee, it blossoms and the bee comes. Oh my goodness, can we all just like mm. frame that on our walls, right? That is really, really profound. Yeah, and I love that so much because it's like, as the flower too, what soil are you putting yourself in? What kind of water are you watering yourself with? Is it water or is it, you know, fill in the blank? So that's just such a beautiful quote that you can unpack and think about in so many ways. And I'm sure our listeners will. Thank you. Now, hypnosis, let's take a deep swim into this practice because I think a lot of our listeners will be familiar with hypnosis from what they've seen on TV or in a movie, but can you please explain in your own words from a psycho-spiritual standpoint, from a scientific standpoint, whatever angles Mm -hmm. you got, um, what to you is hypnosis and what's actually happening during this experience? So from my perspective and the way that I approach it, 
beyond an entertainment aspect. Hypnosis is the language of awakening. And so in a sense, all hypnosis is dehypnosis. And what I mean by that is, you know, through our upbringing, from our parents, our society, all called our cultures, from TV, so on and so forth, we're hypnotized, we're programmed with certain beliefs. Lots of them are limiting beliefs of how we need to be and who we are. And we're basically conditioned to go from who we truly are to who we think we need to be. And so, and when we go through that transition growing up, that's what takes us off the radio station in our consciousness of where our gifts reside, of our spiritual gifts, which we could get back to later on if you'd like, but we get conditioned into who we think we need to be. So when I say that hypnosis is the language of awakening, when, when it's approached from its roots of origin, what I'm saying is that it's a way of deprogramming the negative hypnosis or the limiting hypnosis that has been instilled within many people and realigning you and reattuning you with what your soul knows to be true, with your true core natural self, so that you can awaken to your truth and back onto your core frequency, which I call, you know, the, your, your authentic radio station within your consciousness. So what's happening when you're putting someone in hypnosis, you're essentially bringing them into a heightened state of consciousness. And this is complete opposite to what a lot of people think when they think of hypnosis, you know, because hypnotists, we use the word sleep. Then when you see someone go into a trance, they look like they're going into a sleep-like state. So there's the impression that, oh, they're passed out. Oh, they're unconscious. Oh, they're not there. Oh, they lost control. When in truth, the complete opposite is true. Even though they look like they're going into an unconscious or sleep-like state, they're actually going into a heightened state of awareness and consciousness. So everything that they're normally aware of, they're still aware of. You know, if I were to hypnotize you and drop you into a trance, you're not going to lose awareness. You're going to be aware of everything that you're normally aware of, that I'm speaking to you and that you're in a room. But now you're also going to be even more aware of the subtle textures and frequencies of your inner world that you weren't aware of before. So you're going into a heightened state of consciousness. You know, and this is where there's a misconception about, you know, we hear of the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and the unconscious mind. And then you could go further to say super conscious, but I'm going to just keep it simple. And there's this idea, this misinformed idea that subconscious and unconscious is somehow under. It's, it's somehow underneath the conscious mind, like it's mm, a lower frequency, let's say. But it's actually the opposite. I mean, you can't see my hands right now, but it's actually your conscious mind that goes on the bottom. Then it goes your subconscious above that. Then your unconscious above that because it's your unconscious that informs your subconscious that informs your conscious mind. And so this is why I say that when used properly or when used intentionally, hypnosis is a language. It's a tool for awakening. And, you know, and what I always remind people of is that going to see a hypnotist is a lot like going to see a hairdresser. No, no two hypnotists are alike. No two hairdressers are alike. They, they all use the tool in different ways. So it's very much a, a tool. And, you know, I just so happen to have found myself 
in the flow and in the, in the passion of, you know, when I learned hypnosis. So the short story of, of how I learned is I got hypnotized by a 12 year old boy, which kind of changes you a little bit, <laughs> you know, wakes you up. One of David Blaine's teachers saw me on YouTube and reached out to me by email and said, Hey, you're amazing. I think you should come to this training we're doing in Vegas. That is going to excel you as a magician. So I went out to Vegas. I was 21 at this point. It was uh, June of 2008. And, you know, I was in this kind of seminar room full of magicians. But two of the magicians there, or two of the students, just so happened to be the world's fastest hypnotists. It was a father and son named Han Wong and Gordon Fang Wong. And the son was 12 years old. And and I remember when I got there, um, David Blaine's teacher, a man named Jay Noblezada, he came up to me. He's like, hey, man, he's like, welcome to the group. He's like, you see those two over there? They're the world's fastest hypnotists. They're going to give us a very crash course lesson on hypnosis just because they happened to be here. It wasn't, it wasn't part of the schedule. And I was just like, whoa, I've always wanted to learn hypnosis. I, I never thought I'd be a magician. But I remember when I was a kid, I would see hypnosis on TV and I had just learned how to snap my fingers. So that was like a big thing for me. And then I saw a hypnotist on TV snapping his fingers and saying the word sleep. And then people would go into these trance-like states and do funny things. And so I was like, wait a second, there's a magic to snapping your fingers? So I always kind of had this interest in it. You know, so I met them. And I remember, I'll never forget it, I ran up to the kid. And he had this kind of dragon shirt on, kind of looked like a little Bruce Lee. And... I ran up to him and I was talking to him the same way you would normally talk to a kid. You know, I was like, I'm like, Hey man, I heard you're like one of the best hypnotists in the world. And he just looks me dead in my eye and he's just like, I am the best. <laughs> and I just chills. Cause it was, it wasn't cockiness. It, that was just his knowingness. That was his confidence that he felt inside of him. And I felt that. And so I was blown away as I spoke to him. I'm like, man, I would really love to get hypnotized. But then I said the thing that pretty much every person says, I'm like, but I don't know if it'll work on me because my mind's too strong and, and this, that, and the other, <laughs> everybody says that when in truth, the stronger your mind, the higher your intelligence, the higher your IQ, the more imaginative you are, the easier you can go into hypnosis. It is a learning state. You are learning more of yourself. So the day came where they gave us their presentation on their method, which was called ZAP. It was how to hypnotize in less than a second. And it blew me away, you know, because I didn't know at this point that hypnosis was, quote unquote, supposed to take 15 to 20 minutes of relaxation. I didn't know that. I was taught it happens really quickly. So I volunteered when after they gave their spiel about what hypnosis is and how it works. And I sat in the chair when they asked for volunteers, and I thought the father was going to come and hypnotize me. But he looked over at me and looked at his son, and he's like, you could take this one, son. And I was like, the kid? You're going to send the kid on me? <laughs> and the kid came, came up to me, Gordon came up to me, and he just looked me in the eyes, and he's like, will you listen to all my instructions? I said, sure, kid. I had a hard time taking him seriously. But then he just took my hand, looked me in the eye in a certain way, signaled me to take a deep breath in. And so I did. And then he jerked my arm in a certain way, said the word sleep. And I just went out. It was like my body flopped over. My eyes started 
flickering. And it felt a lot like, you know, when you're driving on the highway with the windows open and then all of a sudden you close the windows and you have that shh. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the feeling. It was like this, my mind kind of swooned over me. It was this vacuum-like feeling. And just like I, I shared earlier, like, you know, I was still aware of what was happening. I was aware that I was in a room and that people were watching me. And I even at one point was saying in my head, I'm like, I'm like, this is hypnosis. No, I'm not hypnotized. I could open my eyes if I want to. I just don't want to. Which I learned later was my mind attempting to make sense of the new state that I was in because it didn't recognize it, the hypnotic state. And they proceeded. He took away my fear of spiders, which was my request. I used to be arachnophobic and then woke me up. And then, you know, I had the experience and then they, they taught us their technique and for whatever reason, when they taught me the technique, you know, they, they didn't, they, they didn't teach us anything else about hypnosis. You know, if there's an A to Z about hypnosis, they just taught us the letter C. We, we got a very brief intro, which was just this technique. And for whatever reason, when they taught me the technique, it came naturally to me. Every single person who I was going up to in the room and doing the method on was going into a, a deep trance. And I couldn't understand for the life of me, why is this working? Why is it that I could go up to someone now, pull their arm, say sleep, and now they're in this trance where I could snap my fingers and have them believe that I'm Drake or Justin Bieber or whatever the thing is. And that question of wanting to understand the why of hypnosis is what drove me into obsession to understand and learn everything about it and what led me down the path that I took with it. Wow, another just riveting story. I love the child Gordon and that whole point that you had articulated earlier about the kids, the babies, they can be not hypnotized (laughs) and so connected to their consciousness and their magic, right? And what an amazing thing. He was a channel and a catalyst for you in that way. And I just have so many questions where to begin. So I'd like to connect it and get your opinion then and from your lived embodied experience. So when someone is under the influence of hypnosis, what state are they vacillating between? Is it all the states of consciousness? And I want to add that I think you're so right. Like we think as a society, like, oh, the unconscious, quote unquote, is negative. And I really think that comes from Freud, who I honor, you know, a lot of his work that he took that deep dive and he was the person to really articulate this idea that we have the conscious mind, we have the pre-conscious mind, then we have the unconscious mind. And then in many spiritual traditions, as you said, our our guests can handle it. Um, They're used (laughs) to me, super conscious, you know, that beyond that, which Freud did not articulate, you know, that heightened kind of Buddha mind state. So when one is being hypnotized, does it depend upon the openness of the recipient of the hypnosis? Like, can you talk about that connection? So it does help. If I'm to speak completely truthfully, you know, it's often said, you know, you can't hypnotize someone who doesn't want to be hypnotized. That's not very true. There's many examples of this in life of where, you know, and also as, as entertainment hypnotists, I know personally hypnotists who will purposely take on challengers who will resist them and will still bring them into a trance. That's just not my style. <laughs> yeah. 
So part of how it works is, yes, openness and willingness is a great help because then it creates an integrity and it creates an energetic agreement between the hypnotist and the one wanting to be hypnotized. And it's not so much the idea of, for example, I'm doing this to you. It's more so we're engaging in a dance and I happen to be the leader and I'm going to serve as the GPS and you're going to follow my instructions by choice. And the destination we're going is hypnosis, is enjoyment, is entertainment, whatever it is that we agreed upon. And so it really depends, you know, different hypnotists can get different states of trance. You know, the way that they used to do it in ancient times is, you know, the shamans, they would do this sort of dance, you know, so the original purpose of hypnosis was to help people to better understand themselves, to reconnect to their true core nature. This is why I said it's the language of awakening. So when people were going through challenges or had questions or whatever the case may be, what the shamans would do is they would do this sort of ritualistic dance where they would build up a certain vibration in their body. And just like the tuning fork analogy, they would then do a hypnosis technique that would transfer the energy that they built up and drop them into a trance as attuned by the energy that they built up. And then so they would go into different depths and levels of trance depending on the intention, depending on the purpose. And the whole idea was that through this, it would allow people to gain whatever clarity and knowledge and wisdom from within. Without, right? It's connecting them to source within, to their own. It's like when we say all the answers are within, then, well, the question becomes, well, okay, if all the answers are within, how do we access it? Well, one of the ways is hypnosis. I love that. I love how you talked about, you know, a hypnotist is, is in a dance and they just happen to be the leader. That's really, really helpful way to describe it. So thank you for that. And I just loved how before, and you're speaking to it more now, and it's so incredibly elucidating how when you're being hypnotized, so to speak, for the psychologists and psychologically oriented folks out there, on one level of reality, you're going into the layers of the, you know, you could say pre-conscious, unconscious, depending upon the recipient super conscious even, but how you talked about, but your vibration or like the ability to go down into yourself is really where you're going into these layers of source and all the answers, like you said, which live within. And that's the thing about the mystic path, like as mystics and seekers and students of life, like this is our primary journey and impetus for living and so it's so beautiful to hear how hypnosis really is this tool to enter a heightened state and really an empowered state of awareness. Because Absolutely. really, like, so much of our days, we're living, you know, in the quote-unquote more mundane materiality of the world. And that's our duty and our dharma. And, and we learn, of course. But when we can find these tools that help have these pockets, when we can gain access to those answers that really live within ourselves and, you know, literally raise our vibration and expand our energy to more elevated heights with a guide, with practices, then we come back and we're living from the most elevated place that can really help people in the most way, don't you think? 
Absolutely. And there's just so much that can be done. You know, I've, 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 I've often said that hypnosis is one of the closest things to real superpowers you could learn because, mm-hmm. because you could literally accomplish anything with it, whether it's wanting to get more clarity and focus, whether it's weight loss and stress relief, whether it's wanting to access past lives or your life in between lives and exploring the spirit world, whether it's sexual enhancement, you could, you could literally use it for anything as long as you have the know-how of hypnosis and the creativity to, to, to mold it like Plato, so to speak. <laughs> That's fabulous. Like Plato. And I was contemplating last night, actually, when I was thinking about our conversation, like, I actually feel like, and I was laughing aloud and my mom was like, what are you laughing at? I was like, I kind of feel like I hypnotize myself like every week all the time. He's like, oh no, you're, you definitely do every day. And is that really possible? I mean, I know like, of course, working with someone is optimal because you have a guide and no matter how much we think we know, it is always, always, always so wise. I'm such a proponent of working with people who are, you know, further along that path and lighting that path up for ourselves. However, I feel like a lot of the listeners like myself might think like, well, and when I'm daydreaming, is that mm. in a Venn diagram with, you know, being hypnotized? And like, could you just speak to that? I'm actually so happy you brought that up. So what a lot of people don't realize is that we actually go into hypnosis about seven to 10 times a day naturally. Yes. Yes. This is so <laughs> affirming. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know, and you just gave the perfect example. When you're daydreaming, there's a part of you that is aware and that knows you're in physical reality, but you're so much more immersed in your imaginary experience that it feels real and you don't realize you're daydreaming until it's over. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? That, that's natural hypnosis. Another example is, you know, if you're driving home and then all of a sudden you don't realize the passage of time and you're like, wow, I'm home already. Where'd that whole hour go? You were in hypnosis when you're when you're reading a book and you're really just looking at words, but you're seeing a whole imaginary world in your mind. That's hypnosis. There's so many examples of this. And so when we can understand that hypnosis or what we call hypnosis is something that is a natural occurrence in our brains and in our minds, then we can understand that all a hypnotist is, is someone who takes a spontaneous occurrence and accesses it more deliberately. That's what a hypnotist is. So, so helpful. So brilliant because it helps us focus that capacity. That's all like great teachers do. They help us work with what we already have. And that's so interesting. And yeah, I'm a Pisces rising. And yeah, so thank you for affirming that I basically am hypnotized half of my day by (laughs) myself. (laughs) So I'd love to dive into part of your really unique work and light that you offer this world that has to do with your connection to Egypt and the archetype and energy and spirit of Thoth. (laughs) So we have to have everyone hear this because it is unique and magical. And when I was reading about it and hearing you speak about it, I just had such um, an, a really physical experience of the truth of what you're talking about. For I was 
blessed enough to go to Egypt when I was 20. Mm. Um, and since then really have had a lot of connections with magic to Egyptian philosophy and, and occurrences. So yeah, can you talk about this work for the listeners, which I think they will love? Yeah, for sure. So Thoth has been my teacher, my mentor for many, many, many lifetimes. And there's different ways to look at the energy of Thoth. And I'll do my best to express it over here. So for those of for those listening who might have no idea what I, what we're even saying, like, a, what's a Thoth? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Thoth is a label, for one. It's a title. It's, it's actually not the being's name, but I'll get into that. If you look into Atlantean history or ancient Egyptian history, you'll see the name Thoth, and he's pretty much known as the deity of magic and wisdom. He's said to be the one who gave us language and written word and math and science. And really, you know, from my experiences and my memories of him is he was a mentor to civilization. He would help people grow spiritually and so on and so forth and had a deep passion for magic, which he referred to as science magic, which was his way of saying that there is a practicality to magic. It's not just what people in our day now call woo-woo. And so Thoth is actually a title. When I, when I say title, I mean, you know, in the same way that we have mystics, we have doctors. Well, there was also Thoth, which was another way of saying the scribe of the gods. He was the, the medium between the divine and bringing it into, into the physical realm, into, into teachings, into writings. And my experience with Thoth man, I could go so many directions with this, (laughs) is so back in 2012, I was introduced to the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. And at the time, I was a teacher at a high school. And my co-teacher gave me the book and said, I think you would really like this. And I didn't know it was pronounced Thoth at the time. So I used to say Thoth. So I looked at it and I was like, okay, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth? I'm like, what's a, or who's a Thoth? And she was like, oh, he's the god of magic and wisdom. I'm like, ooh, I like both those things. And so I took it home, I read it, and I didn't think much of it. I was just like, wow, this is great, cool, and gave it back to her, and then that was it. And then one week later, it happened to be my birthday, and my desire for myself for my birthday was to get a cat. I just got my first apartment and now I wanted a cat because I hadn't had one since I was six years old. (laughs) So I happened to tell my friend about this saying I wanted to get a cat. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. She's like, don't get a cat. My cat just had a bunch of kittens. You have to take one of mine. I said, cool. She sends me a picture on my phone and there's a bunch of pictures. There's a bunch of cats in the picture. And one of them just really stands out to me. I'm just like, oh, I'm like, who's that one? And she's like, oh, that's Thoth. No, I love it. Serendipity abounds. (laughs) I was was like, what? First of all, this is not a common name. Like, you don't just name your pet Thoth. And I'm like, I just heard of this Thoth, and now there's a cat named Thoth. Clearly, this is my cat. So I got that cat, and I still have her today. She's actually right next to me. And she ended up being my vibrational teacher towards meeting the energy being of Thoth. So what ended up happening is that when I got her, 
you know, I was younger and so I, I was still very, I was still learning, you know, I was still, I mean, I'm still learning now, but I had more anger issues. I was more controlling. I, I was more rigid in my ways. And when I got Thoth, my cat, she taught me and invited me to, to loosen up more and to be more in flow and to be more playful. And so she was taking my vibration from where it was into higher and higher vibrational states by, you know, transcending rigidity into flow and anger into playfulness and so on and so forth. And little did I know that this was Thoth's way. So when when I'm referring to Thoth, I'm referring to the being that I work with. This was Thoth's way of leaving a sort of breadcrumb trail for me for what was going to happen in my life and leaving certain synchronicities. Because what would happen is after about three years, it was on October 1st, 2015, I was in a high enough vibrational state where one day I just found my, I was at a marketing workshop and it wasn't like spiritual marketing. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily spiritual in any sense. I was just at a marketing workshop and I was sitting there on the couch. It was at someone's home. And then all of a sudden on my left, this giant body of golden light shows up beside me and I look over and I immediately, my heart recognized that was Thoth. And I was just like, looking at him, I'm like, what, what are you doing here? Like, what is this? What's happening right now? <laughs> and, and he just telepathically, very quietly, he's just like, keep watching. And he wanted me to keep watching the speaker talking. And I was like, okay. So I was watching the speaker. And as I was watching the speaker on the inside, in my mind, for whatever reason, I was judging him a little bit. And I was judging him for for not being authentic enough because I noticed that when I was looking at him, I could see through him. I could see that he's really a very like goofy and silly hearted person. But as he was talking, he was talking very like seriously and professionally. and, And I was judging him and, you know, I was judging him for not being authentic. And then Thoth spoke to me. He's like, you know, there's more than one way of being authentic. He may not be embodying his soul personality, but he's speaking from his heart and that's authentic. And I was just like, whoa, okay. And, you know, it was, it was like a moment of like respect. I give you props, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and in that moment, that's when he looked at me. He's like, we're going to be working together. That's when I began channeling Thoth and learning the deeper mechanics of channeling and how that actually works on a practical level and yeah. And just bringing him through for my students at the time. So at this point in my life, I was running something called the life center where life stood for lessons in finding enlightenment. And my role was that I was teaching other psychologists, therapists, and coaches how to access their gifts and tune into their unique mastery so they're not limited by modality and how to use their gifts to transform others. So since I was already on this path, now Thoth came in to assist and be like, let's show you some other things. That's how it all got started. He, he began to teach me about the deeper inner mechanics of our spiritual gifts and wisdom and magic. And I would share with others and I would channel for others. And it just, and he ended up being very much a representative for me of the divine masculine and very much was helping to heal my relationship with the masculine and, and father figure. Cause I had a lot of trauma with my father 
And so as much as there was like lots of magic and amazingness, I also went through so many challenges working with Thoth because he would trigger me and challenge me and all kinds of stuff would happen. But but yeah, so that's kind of like a, a, a glimpse into the world with, with Thoth. Wow. Just scintillating as it sounded like he was for you as he appears to you. Yeah, so many aspects to this, but I just really want to start from the end of what you said, because it's like an episode I want to do all by itself autonomously about healing the divine masculine. And Mm -hmm. so it's just a serendipity because I wrote it down last night on a piece of paper and you're saying it today. Even the marketing convention that you're at, that's my birthday, October 1st. So there's just like, so in my mind, I'm like, I'm like going into a trance, I think right now, (laughs) I have to (laughs) collect myself. So it's amazing. But I just, just really how potent that he came to you. And, you know, I really hadn't thought about his energy. And I feel like his energy is something that's on the rise. So maybe you can speak about that. Like, I feel like I've heard a lot about him in the last 10 years, I'd say. Um, And if this is the case, and I hadn't made the connection about his energy and healing divine masculine, which, you know, is such an important piece of our collective consciousness, I feel like at this moment. So yeah, could you speak to that a little bit about that idea of, of is Thoth on the rise? Is he, do you feel like he's appearing to other people as well a lot? Um, And how does that work with archetypes and energies and spirit? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I'm definitely not the only one who works with Thoth. I'm not that special. (laughs) He works with many, 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 many beings, both consciously and unconsciously, you know, as an archetype, you, you could say he represents the archetype of divine thought. Mm. You know, so even the name Thoth is the idea of being taught by the holy. Mm-hmm. And so anyone who is on the spiritual path and who is seeking for deeper truths and on that path of ascension, I like to ground the word ascension as meaning, you know, following your heart's divine guidance. So anyone who's on that path of ascension and following the heart's divine guidance and seeking those deeper spiritual truths will very likely consciously or unconsciously come into contact with Thoth's energy and be led through certain synchronicities and initiations and rites of passage that will lead you into more of a deepened connection with source inside your heart, with your own spiritual gifts, uh, with more of a purified mass, a divine masculine energy. So yeah, I guess you could say that Thoth is on the rise, to use that idea. (laughs) It's just so exquisite because when I learned about Thoth when I was 20, the thing that stood out to me the most was hearing the story of how he protected Isis during her pregnancy and healed the eye of her son, Horus. And so when you were just speaking, I was thinking, just to come full circle, how beautiful it is that you asked the question on your spiritual awakening Um, journey and really moment of awakening, what am I not seeing? And it makes so much sense to me that he came to you because you were brave and wise enough to ask that question and go towards that question. Wow, I love that. I never thought of that. I never thought of that. I never thought of that. (laughs) I never thought of that. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) You know, you are such a 
really inspiring example of walking the path of healed divine masculinity. And the other thing about him and you as an embodied being channeling him and, and who you are is the connection of masculinity with the moon. Because I've never experienced another energy that was so connected to the moon that was masculine. Mm. And I always thought that was really cool and interesting because of course there's masculine energy with the moon. You know, so often it's claimed by the divine feminine. I understand all those reasons. I'm a real lover and practitioner of working with the moon, but he stands out to me, this energy for those who are working with healing the divine masculinity within themselves, for the individuals listening who identify as male. He's such a beautiful energy to call upon because he has some kind of like lunar quality that's really beautiful. absolutely absolutely and you know what i will speak into as well that i i feel most relevant here is our shared passion and purpose is and always has been and probably always will be really awakening and calling forth the deeper magic in others and when I say deeper magic, I'm really referring to everyone's unique, innate mastery that is inside. You know, I, I often say that everyone has a gift, but not everyone opens up their present. <laughs> so, so fabulous. <laughs> right. And so part of what we're here to do where we have a shared passion is providing ways that are practical for calling forth your deeper inner magic and tuning into your divine birthrights and your gifts in a way that's practical because every single person has a unique mastery that they could tune into and that when you tune into it that's where your flow is more effortless your capability in serving and and helping and guiding and leading your own life just feels more natural and playful and and that's one of my greatest joys is, is seeing people step into and embody their mastery because that's also where I get to learn the most. You know, everyone's got a unique mastery different than mine. And this is kind of how Living Magic was born. There was a moment for me, a very pivotal moment in my life where in September of 2015, right before meeting Thoth in this lifetime, I was in a meditation and I didn't have any particular intention. I was actually, I just so happened to close my eyes and just so happened to sink into a meditation. And all of a sudden I found myself in this state. And, and normally when I would meditate, it wasn't very visual for me. I'm not one of those people who generally where it's super visual. I'm more of a sensor and a feeler. I feel my pictures. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it was like HD, as clear as I could see with my eyes open. That's as clear as I was seeing with eyes closed. And I found myself in this space where it looked like the scene from the Disney movie Aladdin, where you see uh, Jasmine on the balcony. So imagine that scene, imagine the balcony in the night sky. And instead of Jasmine, what I saw was an aspect of myself, a version of myself. And I looked over at it and I was like, I'm like, huh, I'm like, I wonder what aspect of myself that is. So I went up to it. And I was like, hey, I'm like, who are you? And it was like, it's cool, man. You already made your choice. Just go on and live your life. And I was like, huh? I'm like, did I, did I just get rejected by me? <laughs> and so I was like, no. I'm like, of course I want to know who you are. You're, you're a part of me. Like, why wouldn't I want to know you? And he was like, it's cool, man. He's like, you already made your choice. He's like, just go on, live your life. 
And then I looked at him a little deeper and this flash, this memory came back and I was like, wait a second. I'm like, aren't you that aspect of me that when I was a kid, when, when we used to play like the floor was lava or like monsters or you play with like action figures and it would just become, it would feel and you would have the experience of it being like a real world. I'm like, aren't you that part of me? And he looked at me, his eyes lit up. He's like, you do remember me. I'm like, remember you? I'm like, I've been looking for you all of my life. The reason why I even started to go so deep into spirituality is because I thought it would help me find this because I, I really wanted that world I had as a kid where, you know, we, I, I feel, I think we all did that. We, you know, with the floor lava or playing with dolls or whatever it is, it was just real for us. And then we kind of lose touch as we grow older. And he was like, he's like, yeah, you do remember me. I'm like, of course. I'm like, what's your name? And then he turns into this golden ball of light and just says magic. Mm. And instantly I was like, you're the magic that I was looking for. You're what I've been looking for this whole time. And then to bring this full circle, he explained to me, he's like, yeah, he's like, I've been trying to give you signs and signals so that you would look within for the magic. And he's like, I'm the one who created the synchronicity for you to see David Blaine on TV, hoping that you would see the magic on TV as a cue to look inside, but you took it as go become an illusionist. Mm. You know, which served me. Just so many things became clear in that moment. And then he was like, he's like, open your eyes. And then I opened my eyes. And then much to my surprise, he was still floating there, perfectly crystal clear, this golden ball of magic. And he just would not stop talking. He, it was like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, anyone who's communicated with spirit guides consciously, you know, usually it's very Q and A. It's very like, should I do this? Should I do that? This, you know, it's, Mm-hmm. This was like reconnecting with a best friend that you had not talked to in 20 years who had so much to tell you. And so he's just jibber jabbering on and talking this, that, and the other. And I was like, what happened to you? Like, where did you go? He's like, well, at six years old, you abandoned me for your best friend, Danny, at the time, because Danny thought you were weird for playing with me and you wanted to fit in more with Danny. So you let go of me in order to fit in more with him. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. I'm like, I was a kid. Like, please forgive me. I've, I've been looking for you. I've been looking for this connection again. And the more that we bonded, the more our energies went into resonance. And the more we went into resonance, there was this click that happened where suddenly it felt like all my gifts from all my lifetimes just came online where I no longer needed a, a technique or a modality in order to access certain things. I could literally just intend to want to know about past lives or about certain people. And then my magic would drop it into my consciousness. Mm-hmm. And then through that, I asked, I'm like, okay, I'm like, this is what I've been looking for. I've been looking for this, this difference between modality and mastery. And, and how do I tune into my mastery, my magic? And so I asked him, I'm like, what is our purpose? And he simply said, to make magic normal again. And that every single person has a magic inside of them and that most people have complete amnesia for it. And that it is our passionate purpose to be that tuning fork, to wake them back up and reconnect them with their magic and to show them the ways of living magic. 
so, so beautiful. What a riveting, incredible story. Moral of the story, meditate people. (laughs) 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 You know, like I just, I'm just, you know, I've been meditating since I was five and I work with private clients and, you know, have been teaching in various ways, essentially my whole adult life. And it's like the number one most crystallized thing I can say when people say, how do you access that intuition? Or how do you communicate with people who've passed? Or how do you talk to your ancestors? Or, you know, all the things. We all have our different skill sets. Those of us who, like ourselves, are teachers and sharers of magic in the way of spirit. For me, it's meditate. It's all the years of meditation. It's like I've meditated since I was five. When I was a kid, I didn't have, I didn't see things. I didn't, like a lot of children have incredible imaginations like my kids and they can see in a picture. And I was like a very serious child and I didn't have all these visions. And But I just meditated all the time and I had experiences of my heart and profound, deep kind of sensing, like you were saying, experiences of spirit. But it wasn't really until my adult life that all the, like you had these amazing downloads click of more quote unquote, it's ironic I'm going to say this, but more quote unquote traditional mystical experiences, (laughs) (laughs) oxymoron of the year. (laughs) And it's just so important to keep connecting to practices like hypnosis, like meditation and keep as you did so beautifully in that story, reclaiming all parts of self because that ball who appeared to you is you. Thoth really is you too, right? So, so beautiful and just so inspirational. Would you mind to close out, David, maybe sharing like one to two hacks or ways that you feel like people can practice connecting to their intuitive powers and prowess and opening the gifts of their, their magic? Well, I feel like one of the most important things I could share here that people could use right away in their moment-to-moment life is is a formula, is a way, a dance, if you will, of how to live your life from moment to moment in order to have your life become this explosion of magic and synchronicity and abundance and all those things. And the idea is very simple. It's in every moment that you have, there's a number of things you could choose to focus on. The idea here is if you simply choose to focus on the thing, the idea that lights you up the most, that calls you forth the most, that contains the highest degree of joy, of excitement, of inspiration, whatever that thing is that you feel that lighter feeling or the magical feeling, if you act on that thing and take it as far as you can take it to the best of your ability, and then just keep doing that while remaining in a positive state, your life will become an explosion of magic and synchronicity. Because essentially what you're doing by doing that is you're saying, okay, I understand that my mind is only designed to know two things. My mind is designed to know what is happening and how things have happened. My mind is not designed to know how things are going to happen. However, our higher mind, our inner being, knows how things are going to happen for us and it knows the path of least resistance for you. It knows the path of the yellow brick road for you. So when you consciously choose to tune into that feeling and to ask yourself, okay, I was thinking that I need to do this work. But when you think about doing the work, it just kind of feels heavy at the moment. But what you'd really feel like doing is like, you know what? I really just want to take a walk. 
I feel called to take a walk. You know what? I feel called to take a nap. You know, whatever that thing is, what you're doing is you're, you're going from trying to figure things out to tuning into where things are figured out for you. And in so doing, you're going to be strengthening and harmonizing your relationship with life and your inner magic so that you can see that you could let go of the steering wheel a little bit, that you can truly dance with life in a way that it could unfold for you. It can give to you because that's what life wants. It, it, it wants you to have a deeper harmony with it. And where this plays into your intuition and your gifts is that these energies, you know, the energies of passion, of excitement, of joy, of inspiration are the nourishment of your spiritual gifts, of your intuition. It's what ignites it for you. That's why when you feel super lit, when you feel excited or when you feel deeply in love in a new relationship, you feel very in tune. You feel very connected. You feel very intuitive. And it's simply because you've, you've been nourishing yourself with those higher frequency energies of love and lightness. So when you understand that, when you understand that that's the mechanism and that th this is how it works, now you can give yourself the opportunity to live magically, to just try it. And this is what I recommend to everybody. Give yourself a seven-day excitement diet. Okay, so for the next... For the next seven days, you know, so perhaps you've been living your life and maybe you have certain frustrations and stresses and things that you've been trying to do that either have or haven't been working out. What I recommend that you do is for the next seven days, I like to use seven days because it makes me think of the, be it, an, be it a truth, an idea or a metaphor. I like the idea of God created the world in seven days. We use this metaphor to say that you can create a whole new world for yourself in seven days. And there's a Jay-Z quote that says, difficult takes a day, impossible takes a week. So you could, you could create the I'm possible for yourself in seven days. So for the next seven days, my suggestion to you is to prioritize only the things that are your highest joy, your highest excitement. And if it's, if it's not a full body, yes, it's a no. And I promise you, if you do this for seven days, your life will absolutely change and transform and you're going to lose track of the days and it's just going to become your natural way of life because that is the way that your higher self flows. It flows through that exact same mechanism that we're introducing over here. So this is just a way of further integrating and attuning and embodying your higher self, your inner magic, and your way of living magic. <laughs> mm, so scrumptious. Do you hear that, everyone? So... Often I end this podcast with a meditation and a closing type of thing. And I think that today that's the meditation and we're not even going to meditate. We have homework, people, and that is so scrumptious and soulful. And thank you for charging us. I have an Aries moon. And so I get very excited <laughs> <laughs> about these type of journeys. And what you're saying, you know, about living excitement is just an incredible invitation to take seven days. And as you said, and I love the word that you use, prioritize. Let yourself run towards every call that excites your spirit. Rumi says that. Mm -hmm. And so maybe even write it down on a sticky note or put it in your phone as a reminder. 
because I think that, you know, we can get busy and forget. So it's not don't brush your teeth, don't take care of your people, <laughs> but it's in all the pockets um, that we have choices of what we want to do or even like how we want to do them. Like the other night, I was feeling the drudgery of dishes and I started a water fight with my <laughs> son and that changed it, right? So that was like would be part of your seven day excitement challenge. And all of a sudden the dishes became a source of excitement. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and the reason why excitement, the reason why these energies is because it's the energy of who you truly are. You are at the core of your being excitement. You are liberation. You are aliveness. So when you're acting on these energies, it's like you're following your true magnetic north. You're following your inner GPS towards more of who you truly are and you're catering to your blossom so that you could attract those bees of abundance. <laughs> ah, just so, so completely magnetizing. Your words are and inspiring you are, David. And I just can't wait for people to find out more about where they can connect with you. Can you share that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the best place that you could find me is through our website, which is www.livingmagic.life. That's where you'll find all our services and offerings and things of that nature and just goodies. And of course, you could also find me on social media. You know, my name again is David Lyon and Lyon is spelled like the animal. So you could find me on YouTube and uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. My, my Instagram handle is davidlyon.love. That's where they could find me. Fabulous. David is so generously offering my monthly mystic members 40% off his opening to channel online course, which looks amazing and integrates really all the things you spoke of today. That's a seven-day self-study course, correct? Correct. Yeah, it's a, it's a seven-day self-study course. It's, in my honest and humble opinion, it's the best thing that was ever created through me. You'll get to work with myself and Thoth and some other ascending masters who I brought on to help facilitate. And it's a way of tuning into your magic and really learning in a very practical and grounded sense how to use your gifts, how to tune into source energy, how to steer yourself through life, as well as how do you transform your inner limitations into freedom so that you could truly live in your most expansive and shiny magical state. It's, it's, it's magical. It sounds incredible, really. And I love the fact that it's seven days. You know, there's so many courses out there that are longer or that aren't in a row. And I just love that idea of a, a really potent period of time. And like you said, seven day, there's magic to that. I love that. So definitely head on over to modernmystic.love and get all sorts of phenomenal discounts and free offerings, such as this most generous discount from David there. David, thank you so much for your truly visionary, uplifting powerful work you are doing in this world. You just are such a force of so much goodness, so much light, and so much joy. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much. It was truly my passion and my pleasure. And, and thank you to everyone who tuned in. And I, I truly hope you enjoyed and that you got a lot out of it and maybe even a couple laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> oh, namaste. Right, much love. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. 
If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can find information about my very exciting monthly mystic membership. My members have unlimited access to a robust video library, which includes short videos that are easily digestible, sharing practical ways to integrate mystical living into your day-to-day life. These compelling videos cover topics such as how to ground, protect, and grow your energy, how to develop your psychic abilities, how to connect to your spirit team, shadow work, inner child work, tarot cards, lots of Western astrology, of course, in addition to syncing up with the rhythms of nature and so much more. I've gotten so much positive feedback that these videos are game changers for folks. Also included in the membership are over 100 alignment-based yoga classes of all different levels, meditation and breathwork classes, so you can work from the inside out or the outside in and up-level yourself as you become the next version of you. Not to mention, my Mystic members get all sorts of bonus content and discounts from my visionary podcast guests. So check out modernmystic.love and take a peek there as there's a free sampling of some videos waiting for you. Lastly, if you are looking for some conscious conversation and compelling community, check out also our private Modern Mystic podcast Facebook group. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste. Namaste.